This is Leadership in Action, and I'm Casey Cheshire. Join me as we delve deep into the passions, expertise, and experiences of Boston area innovators. Sponsored by the Boston chapter of the Entrepreneurs Organization, this is Leadership in Action. Man, you hit a button and just the lightning goes off and then the static dissipates and then here comes another conversation. And this is one that uh, you will want to listen to. This is one you'll want to hear. My guest, there's so much to say about him. Uh, I almost lost myself in his introduction and I haven't even said it yet. He's a serial entrepreneur, a coach, an author, a speaker. He's worked for hundreds and advised hundreds of companies. Um, including startups. And he's got this amazing track record. I can't list them all now, but you can link to it in the show notes. He's been a VP of sales eight times, a CMO twice, a GM of a hundred million dollar division, uh, you name it. And then he, he got in uh, five outcomes, two IPOs, seven acquisitions. Holy crap. There's a lot going on here. He's now a coach. He's also an author of Further Faster, CEO and chief catalyst of Catalyst Catalyst. Growth Advisors, Bill Flynn. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Casey. I'm really looking forward to being here. How am I even talking to you? There, you've done so much. How do you even have time to talk to me? <laughs> <laughs> I love these things. It's great to uh, to chat with folks like you who love entrepreneurship and part of the yoga organization, which I'm you know familiar with through my scaling up stuff and um, and friends and colleagues that are in it. So it's uh, it's a pleasure to be here and, and an honor. So I really appreciate you. You give me your time. It's great. Oh, likewise. Likewise. Hey, this is a happy party. Let's uh, break open to the beer. But I guess we'll wait <laughs> right, on that cool. for just a second because I have this question to ask you. What is a common misconception about leadership and being an entrepreneur? Um, yeah, so I think that's really two things. Um, so leadership is, is what I've come to believe is that leadership as a repeatable concept isn't really a thing. Um, and even though it's a 15, 16, $17 billion industry, uh, there's a lot of people who write about leadership and they say, you know, you need to do this and that and the other thing. And what I've found is uh, you, you can't really point to a set of criteria that if you do these, then you're a good leader. Really? Um, and, and, and then we should probably talk about what is leadership exactly. Um, and leadership is not something that you can claim. Uh, it is something that is given to you. Right, uh, and you are given your title or your mantle of leadership by your followers. Um, so I actually think we should study followership more than leadership. Interesting, because I think there are things that are repeatable there. That there are things that followers like um, or gravitate towards. That then they say, "Yes, this is my leader." Because um, you can look at. I mean, there's tons of really good leaders out there, right? Which we, we, we point to, right? You've got Alan Mulally who ran Boeing and Ford. You've got Bill Gates who ran Microsoft. You've got Kelleher who runs Southwest and Buffett, right? You've got Ardern who runs New Zealand and Bezos who runs uh, Amazon, Mulcahy, Jobs, Aurelius, you know, Chapman, Musk. You've got all these people mm. who we say are great leaders. But I'll tell you, there are some people who think they're really great leaders. And there are some people who think they're not so great. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I actually had a conversation with a friend the other day. We were on a walk and he was telling me all the things he hated about Le about Elon Musk. And and I said, yes, he certainly has those things. But had he worked for him like he had worked for the. No, or... he just sort of was following what he'd been doing over the years, oh, okay. like his 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 how he's been um, doing things and what he believes is is appropriate to do, etc. Um, and if you talk to, you know, 
a few different people, some are going to really think someone's a great leader and someone's not. So it's very subjective is what I've found. Um, there are two things that I think are generally the same or, avail or, 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 or something that you can point to in any leader. One is that they have created some sort of compelling thing. Typically, we call it a vision, but it could be, it could be a personality. You know, who knows what it is? But there's something that has a gravitational pull for others to say, yeah, I want to help you whatever way I can. Uh, and, th and they decide to be a follower. Uh, and when you have followers, you're now a leader. You can say I'm a boss or I'm authority or whatever, but you're not a leader. You're, you're in charge and people have to do what you say, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're leading them. Leading them is saying, hey, we're going over here. You know, would you like to come? And, they, and it's a voluntary act. Um, so that's, that's definitely uh, an important thing to have is this vision. The second thing that I think is an attribute that all of them have um, is courage. Uh, courage is something that all leaders have, I believe. Uh, and that is, you know, you have to have one courage to, to, to continue to push this vision in the face of strong headwinds, because people are going to tell you it's not going to work. You don't know what you're talking about uh, all the time. And generally, usually when a lot of people tell you that, you're probably onto something. <laughs> it's usually the right. rule. Um, so you have to be courage to be vulnerable. You have to create an autonomous environment, which is sort of giving up control. That takes courage. Um, you have to basically invest in the mistakes of your, of, your, of your followers, right? You have to, in order to teach them and help them to grow as you go, they have to make mistakes and you have to, sometimes you have to let them make a mistake so they can learn, right? And so you can, yeah. you can help them. And that can be a scary thing. Yeah, of course, because it's your baby, right? And you don't want anything bad to happen to your baby. And, you know, so there's so many other things that you have to have courage to do. And I've seen, I've been to all these, I've been to tons of leadership conferences and I've seen lists, you know, that you have to have, be humble and you have to be charismatic and you have to have empathy and you have to have integrity and honesty and you have to be loving and whatever. And yes, I think if you're going to be at the top, maybe as pointed to being some of the best leaders, maybe those things are there, but there are plenty of people who say Steve Jobs is a tremendous leader, mm -hmm. but he didn't have a ton of integrity. He wasn't the most loving guy. Mm. Uh, he certainly had charisma. I wouldn't say he was humble, right? You know, so but but people for he but he led a, a yeah people group said, of people in a direction exactly yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so so yeah that's what I mean it isn't it isn't really a thing I think you have to you make leadership your own right you you have a great vision and then you basically take the assets that were given to you by genetics and your parents and your friends and leverage those as much as possible you know making it your own makes so much sense because how many times have we heard about the you know steve jobs thing it's pretty clear to me that he got it done and you know you may you had to accept a certain level of abuse and you know depending what level you're at and how close you worked with him but in the end you trusted that it was for good reason but it was probably really hard to work with him you know right. but that doesn't mean that we should all go clone ourselves and try to be little steve jobs is because you, we can't all pull it off. Like some people just be like, no, screw you, man. I'm, not, I'm out. I'm not. So it, I, it's not just yeah. like, let's clone Bill Gates or this leader. Let's all be like Elon. Let's all be like this. We're not all like that person. We have different, I mean, Jobs is more of a designer and he liked typeface and, and yoga and, and he was a vegetarian or something. And Musk is this other Mars. And so it's like, they all brought their unique things. And I think 
maybe what they were doing is they're all using them in a unique way as opposed to us trying to copy ourselves onto them. Yeah, exactly. People are generally idiosyncratic. Leaders, you know, leaders are just people who just happen to be slightly different than, than many of the rest of us who have these visions and, and these ideas on how to make the world a better place. Um, but they also have flaws, just like everyone else, you know? Right. Um, and, and some of them work on it. Like Steve Jobs was much better his 2.0 version than he was his 1.0 version. I have, I have people, friends and family who worked for him in 1.0 and worked for him in 2.0, and they noticed the difference. He was still brusque. And, you know, he wasn't just the most empathetic guy. And, you know, he's his, he, the, 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 the design and uh, the is trying to get to as perfect as possible. A design was the drag, big driver for him. Uh, and sometimes he'd run over you while he was driving towards that. And, you know, he didn't mean it necessarily. Um, but that was much more of a pull for him. And, and, you know, he made a huge difference in our lives, right? Since yeah. 2007, good and bad, right? I mean, these, these things we have in our, our hands are, are, are a godsend and also they're, they're, there's a downside to them as well, so. I'd like to go back to that point about the compelling thing, uh, vision, personality, whatever it might be. I, I remember seeing on a Facebook post, uh, an entrepreneur posting about how uh, the person had, had brought in you know, EOS, had brought in an operating system and it had this new tool and one of the managers was like, I'm not doing that. I refuse. I'm not doing that. And, and it, and it almost like your, your conversation where you're saying, look, they can, you can be their boss. You can be their manager. They can be employed by you, but there's a difference between that employment. Maybe you could speak to the difference between that. And yeah, you're being employed or being paid to do something versus the pull of being led somewhere. Yeah. If people, you know, cynic says this all the time, if people believe what you believe, they will go to extraordinary lengths to help you to achieve it. Mm -hmm. um, and it's so much easier to have the, the lion's share of the people working for you, believing what you believe, than, uh, and then teach them the skills and the knowledge to help you get there, than it is to actually hire people for skills and knowledge and try to get them to believe what you believe. You know, that's, people come who the, with who they are, right? It's like, again, you're, you are formed very early on and we don't change that much. We can change. It is a heavy load. If you really want to change yourself in significant ways, it is a heavy cognitive load. Um, it takes a lot of discipline. It can absolutely be done, but it's a rare thing. Mm. So, you know, Marcus Buckingham says all the time, you know, people don't change that much. Uh, don't try to change them into something else. Try to find the, the, the brilliance in them and the things that they love and bring those out more often. Um, and so if you can find those people, you know, that's why you know, I, I ask my leaders on a regular basis to write a vision, right? You certainly have a high level, this you know, um, a more perfect union or a computer on every desk or whatever it is. That's a sort of a, a generic phrase and that's great. But if you write something down that has a lot more significance to it, that's vivid, it's sort of a painted picture like um, Cameron Harrell talks about in his Vivid Vision book. And then people can see it. They can then decide, do I want to help you do that or do I not? And you want the people who you know, are closer to wanting to help you to do that. Uh, then you don't have to keep worrying about paying them more because that's generally what happens, right? Is the ones that aren't really bought in are complaining and this isn't working and they want more money or, or whatever. Um, so that's, that's taking the time up front to do that and really think that through and write it down 
And I say, once, once, you, once you write it down and you sort of socialize it amongst your leadership team and they've really helped you clarify it, maybe add to it things you might've forgotten because uh, you didn't see them, but they are certainly part of what your vision is. I say, use that in your interview process, right? When you've got the top one or two candidates, hand them the vision and say, here, read this, because this is what you're getting into for the next N number of years of your life. And if you don't want to, that's okay. We don't want you here either uh, because you're not going to be happy because this is what we're doing. You know, Alan Mulally has this great saying is, you know, you love them up, but you hold them to the standard, right? And he, and people who say, you know, I don't, he had a guy in his organization that he talks about that said, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do the plan that you're having. I don't like it. it. It's different from what we've been doing. And he said, I put my arm around him and I said, you know, that's okay. It's all right that you don't want to do it. We're going to do it. <laughs> Um, so we should probably find you another place to go do what you want to do because you're not going to be happy here. Right. You know, it's okay. But so, so, so don't, but does that make it unsafe to say how you feel? How do you mean? You know, if someone says like, I I don't want to do it, I guess what what other response do you have? But you know, you told you how they feel and yeah. And the division at a high level, and you know, it's not, it's not so narrow. You know, it's it's usually something, yeah, that that really uh, is is a you know, you, it's it's sort of you get to save the world and you step back one, right? And it's usually that thing, right? That that's right. your sort of your cause, right? The right. thing that you're trying to, to to make happen, right before um, world peace is like that cause, whatever it is, yeah, yeah. And you know, they can certainly say they should they should argue and debate on how. Yeah, that's great, right? You want that. You want that cognitive diversity. You want that, etc. But, but we're if you don't want to go where I'm going, then you shouldn't get in the car, right? Now, if you want to talk about what route we should take and where we should stop to eat and um, you know whatever, uh, great. That's something that we can certainly talk about because there's no one way to get there. But that's where we're going. I don't want you to be unhappy when we show up there. And say, what are we doing? I, I, I don't want to be here. I want to be, you know, I want to be climbing a mountain. Yeah. I don't want to be at a water park or whatever, you know. Like, okay, I well, love that debate the how, but not the where. Like, this is yeah. where we're going. I'm open to hearing all the different ways and, and debating and really pushing it because that just shows you care because you because exactly. you want to get there too. Yep. Yeah. Um, let me take you back to the followership. What What does it mean to be a good follower? Yeah, that's a really good question because you know you don't want milk toast, right? Right. You don't want just someone just accepting everything you say. Oh, have you had milk toast? <laughs> I have. I don't think I actually have. I don't know if I have either. I think I've ridden a horse called milk toast, which I enjoyed because it was uh, easier to ride. <laughs> um, I had some soda bread, you know, St. Patty's Day kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, I'm not a big soda bread fan. I'm an Irishman, yeah. but I'm not a big fan of soda bread. You it's know? a little weird, right? Yeah, it's a little weird. I agree. Um, so, I mean, a good follower is someone who believes what you believe. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it is someone who is is psychically, physically, mentally, you know, emotionally connected to what you want to accomplish, what you see as a way to make the future a better place for other human beings. Um, that's sort of the essence of it. And then from there, you know, it, it what, whatever happens, I think, again, it gets to people will come to that in different ways and, and they'll they'll follow you in different ways. Some will just these foot soldiers, you know, and that's fine. And, and they're, they're happy to just sort of follow along. Others will want to have those debates. You know, they're the ones you want in your senior leadership team, the ones that make you a better leader, the ones that challenge the status quo and 
you know, and the ones that you want to hear from before you speak. So you can make sure that you've pulled in all the great brains that you've, that you've um, acquired, um, you know, and, and have part of you helping you before you then say, you know, this is what I want to do. You know, I said that to yeah. leaders all the time. Let's say you go into a meeting and say, I have this really cool idea. And you say the idea and then you write it down on the board and you get all excited. And then, and then you say, what do you think? I'm like, what do you think they're going to say? Right. Yeah. As opposed to saying, Hey, I have this problem. I'm trying to fix this thing. And I'm, you know, I have some ideas on it, but you know, here's what it looks like. What do you guys think? You know, uh, cause that's going to, that's going to be much more of a, a better way to do the how to the vision than, than always feeling like you have to have the answer, right? And you have to come up and, you know, that sort of direction, right? Yeah. We want to head out West, um, you know, but how do, how do we get there, right? I'm, I'm not sure how we should get there. There's lots of different ways we can do it. Um, what do you think? Um, so, so that, those are the followers you want that are closer to you because they're the ones who are going to make your thinking better, right? They're going to round out all of the different perspectives for you, that cognitive diversity. And when you're hiring, any any magic spells that help illuminate the better followers? Um, so I think generally, I'm a big fan of um, hiring for you know what some call cultural fit, whatever it is. You know, like, again, there's there's there are three things I think we generally look for when we hire someone. We want, we want abilities, skills, and knowledge. Abilities are generally these things we just talked about, which are innate. They, they come with them. Are they honest? Do they have charisma? You know, do they have integrity? Whatever those things are that their parents taught them or, or gave them through genetics or, or they learned early on when, they're, you know, when, when their brain was forming in their, in their early years of life. Um, that's hard to, you, it's hard to change. Yeah, there's no, there's not classes on yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah, and, and here's you know, a class not, on how to be honest. You know, exactly. And and as I like to say, the juice, juice, the juice isn't generally worth the squeeze on that. It's going to be so hard. Yeah. To try to get them to 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 act the way you want, and maybe they'll do it for a little while, but you know they're going to sort of go back to their set point. Yeah. So you want to try to find ways to hire those things already prepackaged, and then interview for skills and knowledge. And, and obviously you need a minimum of each. And then if you can get more than the minimum, great. If you get the great, they fit in 80 to 90% of your, of the abilities and they believe what you believe and they generally have the same core values that you have, et cetera. Um, uh, then, then, then those are certain th things that, that are important. Cause I learned this as a, so I've been ahead of sales, as you said, eight times. Yeah. And I was a horrible hirer. I, I shouldn't be horrible. I was not a very effective hirer early on because I, I was told how to, you know, I wasn't really taught. It was like, oh, do this, go in and ask them these questions. And, you know, salespeople I learned are really, really good interviewers. Yeah. They're probably the best ones I've ever come across. Sure. That's the point, <laughs> um, right? The good ones. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, they're really good at reading body language and tone of voice. And, you know, they're really good at sort of all those things because they've been trained. Um, so I, so I said, well, how can I become a better hire of folks? And, and I said, you know, well, what, how can I describe a really good, salesperson, especially for a startup, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's a different kind of person, you know? And I said, look, I want someone who's curious, who's compassionate and who's driven, meaning sort of that has, has that entrepreneurial sort of nature to them, right? Because their patch is going to be their own thing. They're, they're going to be figuring stuff out. They have to sort of think like that. And then I said, well, how would I hire for that? How would I interview someone? Which by the way, interviewing is about the worst way to hire anybody because you come in with so many cognitive biases um, that are unknown to you. That you that you hire people that are much more like you and you don't even realize it. Yeah, you know. Um, 
So I generally interviewed the same exact way. I had a list of questions and I used some of them all the time and others most of the time. Um, and I was driving for that curious, that compassion, that, that, that uh, you know, sort of that driven stuff. And I got much, much better. I wasn't perfect, but I'd say I was closer to 80 to 90% where I was about 50-50 before. And by the way, 50-50 is about how good we do in general. I believe it. Hiring, yeah. which is pretty bad. It's pretty expensive. Pretty bad if it's a coin flip. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a coin flip. Yeah. Um, you know, this isn't sort of a little bit of a side. My, when someone says, you know, how, well, then how should I hire? The best way to hire is to find someone who, who you, th you think fits the mold, has the skills and knowledge, and then throw them into the job and maybe pick two of them. And then in about 90 to 120 days, you're going to find out if they're the right people or not. And then, and then do it on a trial basis. And then if they fit, great, keep them. If they don't say, sorry, it's not a good fit. I, I, my, my daughter used to work for Whole Foods and you know, they, they, you had to go in for 90 days. And at the end of 90 days, the team that you were assigned to just voted on whether you should be on the team or not. Uh, that says a lot. Um, cause you want to, you yeah, want cause they're, they're right. They're seeing yeah. who's, who's good at skating. Who's good at just, uh, someone needs some help. Yeah. They're conveniently not around, you know? Exactly. Right. Yeah. You want to see behavior. You're hiring for behaviors and how can you interview for behavior? You're having a conversation. Yeah. Hey, right. are you, are you a curious person? <laughs> right. Right. Did you do But does your list of questions address that? Or even still, it's all about getting them in and doing a trial first. Uh, well, so while, while what I say is optimal from a, from a percentage chance of getting a good hire, yeah. it's not always practical. Right. Right. Um, and so interviewing is still our major way of doing it. But any, the more you can sort of put them in situations where, uh, you know, there's behavior like, you know, there's great stories about Zappos, right? And, mm -hmm. and most people didn't know that the driver from the airport to the facility was part of the interview process. And if you didn't treat that person very well, who actually had some cognitive disabilities, um, and if you didn't treat them well, surprisingly, when you showed up at the office, you were told that the position was filled and I'm very sorry. And, you know, we'll buy you dinner and we'll fly you back home. Wow. You know, because that's not the person they wanted. They wanted someone who was, you know, kind to everyone. You know, Branson did that. I don't know if you ever, he did like a game show one time, one time. Did you ever hear oh, about that? He? No. Yeah. It was, it, um, yeah. I don't know what it was called, but it was basically, you know, come to Britain and kind of like, who's the best, you know, entrepreneur executive in the world. I need someone to help run a company. Uh, and so it was about way more outlandish than like a Trump, you know, you're fired kind of thing. It was like, come to England. And you, uh, one of the things was having tea with Richard Branson on top of a hot air balloon flying over England, you know, were you brave enough to climb up there? That kind of thing. But he did the same thing where the, the trip to the airport though, was actually him. He was the cab driver. No way. In wow. this, in makeup and disguise. And he yeah, drove sure. everyone to the mansion and lo and behold, they got two of them who were actually kind of rude to the cabbie who was like an older man, you know, and they were just kind of rude. And, and they started the game show and he's like, and you two are the first out. Bye. Thank they had you. to fly Thank home. Yeah. Yeah. So that's uh, the behavior. You want behaviors, right? So that's what we're trying to figure out. Right. And there's this thing that says on the 91st day is when the real person shows up, not the person you interviewed, 
91 days earlier. 91st day. Now they're comfortable. They're turning them to themselves. That's who you really hired. And you're hoping that that person that you interviewed was is close to the person that shows up 91 days later. And, and that's just risky. I feel that. I just started as a, uh, a new ski patroller. And it's like a new hobby for me. And so mm-hmm. I, I was like a candidate for the first bit, you know? And so I was a little bit more of the quieter, like, let me be the new guy and just help out and... But yeah. I told I know exactly what you're talking about. At some point, they're like, you're in. Here's your red coat. You made it. And then it's like, how do I act now? Hopefully, I act as helpful as I was the first 90 when I was trying to impress a right. new group, you know, and and still be as helpful and as, you know, maybe a few more jokes for the, the new guy. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah. It, there's that transition. And you want yeah. them to be as close to that interviewee as possible. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. So, uh, anyway. And that was Zappos. It did Zap wasn't Zappos the one where you could call and order a pizza from that? Well, so yeah, there's a story in Delivering Happiness where they were on the road road show for going public, and mm. they they were a little drunk. Tony Shea said, and they just wanted to see what happened, so they just dialed in the 800 number and ordered a pizza, and they got this guy, and he said, "Okay, where are you? Uh, all right, great. Uh, there are three pizza shops near you. You know." here here you go here are the numbers for you good luck and he hung up you know it's like yeah okay we built something interesting here because they, yeah. they didn't know who was going to pick up uh so yeah they, that's that that's the pizza story that i remember anyway that's awesome it's that yeah common lore now has expanded to the fact where apparently zappos even delivered the pizza but maybe you know maybe all yeah, he did i don't was know i don't remember numbers. that from the book <laughs> yeah yeah I, I don't know maybe um, he ordered it i don't know i have no idea whatever <laughs> yeah. i don't remember all the details but i do that's a good story from the book for sure we get you in trouble though right because if everyone found out you got free pizza if you called zappos then everyone starts calling zappos <laughs> but maybe that's cheaper than a super bowl ad you know i don't know right exactly you never know <laughs> so question for you, you, you cl- there's this sort of thing of the, the it's the you know lonely at the top or disconnected there with a leader you know you, you know your leadership team is your team but you know there's some boundaries you need to set and so you have you especially the people you've coached do you find that uh, there's some resources or communities or different ways that they're able to stay connected yeah. So, I mean, uh, so I, I've, I've been uh, a speaker a few times and I think, you know, those, it is lonely at the top, right? Cause it's, it's hard. It's hard to share it with your partner because they don't quite get it. You right. know, I'm sure they'll listen and whatever, but unless they're really understanding what you're doing, they're not going to really get it to the degree that you need them to you usually can't share down some of these difficult things, right? Because right. you're, you know, you don't want to bum people out or whatever, or share up. Yeah. You know, and then you can share with your board and then they say, well, this guy doesn't know what he's doing, you know, so yeah. you've got, it's sort of, a, you're in this really weird space. So places like EO or YPO or Vistage or Renaissance or, you know, all of these places I think are great places for CEOs or mastermind groups, you know, they're yeah. all similar, right? Whatever you can do it your own. You can, you can go to a, a more formal organization like yours. Um, I think those are great places to go. Um, cause they're like-minded, they're other vulnerable people. You can join chambers of commerce and other things, but you know, maybe, maybe not, maybe you, it's not necessarily the same kind of person that you, you that you gravitate towards. It is uh, different. It's way, it's so different, right? I joined one recently, yeah. all nice people, but it's just, it's just such a different feel. And yeah. Yeah. No. So, so I think that's what you do. 
Um, I'm not part of any, any of that. So, you know, I have, so I'm part of two coaching organizations uh, and that helps a lot, but then I've also cultivated relationships. Uh, and in COVID, you know, we used to get together once or twice a year mm. um, to, you know, physically, and it was great. And we, it was, I'm, I basically paid the money not to hear the speakers, but to be near all of my friends. I understand. That. Um, Definitely. And uh, so that helps, but those relationships, I, I maintain them, right? I would reach out to them and say, Hey, you know, I'd like to, let's just chat once a month, you know? So I do that. I do that with about four or five different people. Uh, and I'm, I'm able to share things that, that they aren't familiar with, uh, but can, but can help me with, you know, have a disinterested third party approach or that they are familiar with. Um, and you know, they can give me, Hey, you know, I, I ran into that and here's what I did. And you know, I talked to three, four, five different people and I get a bunch of different perspectives and I can then take okay, does any of that sound like me or can I take pieces of each thing? Right. And then you, you have that connection, right? And, and even though we have a, a deliberate, you know, once a month kind of thing, once in a while, something will come up and I know I can just reach out and say, hey, you know, this is kind of urgent. I got this leader that I'm working with. I'm having trouble. I'm, I'm struggling with, you know, how to get there. And, uh, and, and that at least gives you the sense that you're part of a community, even though it's, you know, it's, it's sort of this manufactured community. Uh, and you're not you're not really all alone having to figure it out yourself reading books or whatever right right um yeah i often wondered about that too i wonder if there's there's people that are in, initiators and people that are just happy to help because oftentimes i always find myself as needing to be the initiator and i and i ah, i'd love to have other people you know say hey you but i guess sometimes you just if you need the resource or the connection or like you need to be the one to schedule the calls or to Exactly. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, you do. I mean, if, if obviously most people are generally happy to help, mm -hmm. but you know, if, if you, if you say, Hey, I'm looking for someone for this job, do you know, anyone, it's very unlikely that they're going to recommend anyone. Right. Cause right. if it's, if it's something that's going to cost them either time or energy or whatever, they're much less likely to do it. If they have the answer off the top of their head, you know, they're great. You know, it doesn't take too much time. Um, so you have to be, you have to, if you really want something like that, you gotta, you gotta work for it. Um, yeah, yeah. as opposed to people calling you up and saying, Hey, you know, how are you doing today? Is there anything I can help you with? You know, mm. we generally aren't doing that on a regular basis, right? Maybe once right. in a while, but, um, uh, that's, that's pretty rare. So yeah, you have to be, you have to take the initiative. Yeah. Yeah. You do have to take the initiative. It's interesting like that. And you know, you mentioned this earlier and I, I know you read a lot because you've cited up a few several thousand books probably in this first part of the conversation but do you have one right now or do you have one that you might say is your most recommended book um so i have two books that i recommend uh often um and one is uh called nine lies about work so i'm a bit of a contrarian when it comes to business i think that um most business thinking is conventional wisdom and conventional wisdom is often wrong Mm. Uh, and so this book is, is really breaking conventional wisdom, right? And, and that's where I sort of got that leadership isn't a thing. Um, Marcus Buckingham and, and, um, and uh, um, Goodall, Ashley Goodall, I think is his name, wrote a great book. And they've got a bunch of things in there, like leadership isn't a thing. Uh, they've got this thing about feedback. Feedback is often you talking about you in the presence of me. Uh, you know, it's feedback is not usually talking about helping the other person. It's someone's filtered perspective on what they would do 
Um, and that's not necessarily what they need, right? Um, so they've got a bunch of those things in there. And then the second one is, I think because teams, you know, people, people run business, right? It's, it's, you know, we may get, we may get automated more and more, but you know, the critical things are run by people and people are, are crazy. We're all irrational, yeah. impulsive, highly emotional beings. We think we have, we're much more in control of our thoughts than we think we are. And we're learning that we're much, much less in control yeah. than we thought. I'm running a tornado myself. It's a sharknado. I'm like, I'm a rodeo riding a Sharknado tornado myself. There you go. Yeah, yeah, it's just, it's just you know, our brain is working against us because it yeah. wasn't designed to do the things that we're having it do. Um, you know, it, it, it was the last major upgrade of, of your brain was about 10 to 50,000 years ago, according to most neuroscience. Yeah. And so that means we, that we were on the savannah, right? And, <laughs> and it's all about threat and reward, right? right? And that's why we eat tons of food because our brain is saying, oh, calories, take it because we don't know. We don't know when we're going to get the next set of calories. So it's okay to eat a ton because I'm going to, I might burn it off for the next week or two or three. Yeah. I might be on the run for the next week and not have any berries to eat. Like Exactly. But we're not really <laughs> scarcity of food at this point. Um, so, you know, our brain doesn't know any better. Um, so, so understanding how the brain is at work and trying to reduce threat as much as possible is really important and help people move more towards reward. Uh, is really key. So there's another book called Your Brain at Work, which has been out for a number of years by this guy, David Rock, um, which I think those two together are, if you understand those two things, that will take you a long way. There's lots of other great books. You know, you get to Jim Collins's of the world and mm-hmm. Simon Sinek's and all that kind of stuff. Um, but those two, I think are, are very useful because they change your mindset. I think if you want to really be a good leader, you have to change your mindset because most businesses fail, right? Most businesses don't last 10, 15, 20 years. It's just the way it is. So doing what everyone else is doing doesn't seem like a good thing because most of them are not not surviving. You have to do what the very few are doing, which is almost always counterintuitive. Right. I have found. And these are some counterintuitive books. What a great point that is. It's the it's the counterintuitive approach. It's probably why we started companies in the first place, you know, yet as soon as we get in there and get in the groove, it's like, well, let's do conventional wisdom now. It's like, that's not what got you started. Doesn't exactly. necessarily mean you should follow it now. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, our success also, I, I think is, is what hurts us because we get insulated from the things that made us successful. Right. Yeah. To me, there are three constituencies that, that you're always working with in the business, which is your employees, your team members, your customers, and really your best customers, not all your customers. And then we'll call it the market, right? Your competitors and all those other things that are there. And when you're small, you can't help but be in touch with them, right? They're the ones you're talking to. You're seeing them at, at the yeah. trade shows. You're answering their phone calls. Yeah. You're getting all this information, which is helping you. And then you hire a layer in between. And then they hire a layer in between. And you yeah. slowly, you stay in the middle and you have to tunnel your way out. If you're going to continue to be entrepreneurial, because you know things change so quickly now, there's technology and, and tastes. And, uh, and if you're not, and, and the information you're getting from those people that are in the layers is not the full, it's filtered. Oh, yeah. Either because they're scared of you or they love you and they don't want to upset you um, or they want to paint a rosy picture. And you don't want that. You can't make critical decisions if you don't have the full picture. I've experienced so, that 100%. Yeah. yeah. So you have to go do it yourself, right? I'm, yeah. I'm saying, you know, Monday and Friday, maybe you're in the office and doing stuff, but Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you should be like talking to clients, getting walking around, you know, managing by walking around, yeah. all those kinds of things, because you're just gathering data. 
you're not necessarily looking for an answer, right? But as you do that, you're finding more information. And if, if the five, six or seven of you in the leadership team are doing that on a regular basis, that is so much great information, mm. you know, to corroborate or to discuss and debate, you know, I'm hearing something completely different. Oh, okay. Well, I'm hearing something sort of in the middle. And, you know, um, so that's, that's super important. I think is at least you're hearing it, right? Like, cause if yes. you're not hearing it now, you're the king with no clothes, you're making wild decisions that may have yeah. no bearing once you're in your own little, but they feel chain. right. But they yeah. feel like the right decision because based upon the data you get, but you're not getting the full picture. Yeah. Yeah. I found podcasting actually to be really helpful to get me back out there when I, I'd yeah. been so abstracted away from the daily operations that even just having a conversation with someone just was huge. You know, you learned sure. five minutes, something that, you know, might've taken you a thousand survey monkey surveys to figure out right. if ever. Yeah. Exactly. And then you're getting lots of data from other people, right? And that's when you're, that's how ideas are born is that you're gathering all this data. And then all of a sudden something connects in your brain. You're like, Oh, that thing. And this thing were loosely connected together. You know, know, I'm out, I'm out walking in the woods and these things are sticking to my leg, you know, and I'm trying to find a way to fasten stuff. (laughs) Hang on, you know, that's Velcro. That's Velcro, right? Velcro. There it is. That's how ideas happen. Right. Yeah, really it is. Um, wow. So I want to transition a little bit. My next question is really more about you. Who are you? Who are you? I, we've learned so much already. Uh, I, I kind of shared a lot in your introduction, but but who, who are you? Take me back in time, like little build days. Did you always know you're going to be running companies and sales and acquisitions and all this and coaching the stars? Yeah, yeah. No, not at all. I was pretty shy as a kid. Um, I was an athlete scholar you know i sort of i mean i got i got decent grades i was not a very good student at all um but i was smart enough to get by uh i did three sports in high school and you know i played soccer hockey and tennis lettered in all of them so i was pretty athletic wow i actually went to college to play hockey and tennis wow not and and did both my freshman year and then i played tennis through my entire college career um but uh you know that's what sort of who i i was and i was i was a different person i i um was much more, I was less curious than I am now. I sort of, sort of accepted things for what they were, um, just sort of got along. I was super friendly. I actually got voted most friendly in high school really? and, and in uh, eighth grade as well, which was interesting because I was kind of shy, but uh, I, I, I seemed to be this person that connected with everyone. Like, you know, you had the, the jocks and the druggies and the, you know, the tough guys and whatever. And I seemed to you know, be okay, you know, be accepted in, in, in those different groups. So I was seen as super friendly, I guess, but I didn't see myself as friendly at all. I saw myself as kind of shy and, but I was mostly about, I was shy about myself, but I was much more interested in other people. So I think they saw that as being friendly, right? Cause, Oh, tell me more about that. And they were doing the talking and they yeah. thought I was great, you know, cause yeah. they gave them they your attention. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It wasn't about you. Yeah. yeah. So, so that was sort of me when I was, when I was younger. So eventually it's going to school for business and then. Yeah. Yeah. So I grew up and I actually have sort of a list of things that I talk about. So now I'm a father, a learner, a cultivator, an entrepreneur, a coach, a speaker, a writer, an athlete, a brother, an ideologist, an iconoclast, a stoic, a builder, a giver, a musician in quotes and a friend. Wow. That's sort of, I think if you, those are my categories, uh, I think. Tell, Tell me about that. So at some point you wrote those out. I did. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, uh, so I'm in a bunch of different coaching organizations and that's what they say, you know, tell me more about you. Tell me who you are. And, and people have these sort of narratives, et cetera, 
Um, but I said, you know, I, I want to sort of stick out and, and give people something to, to sink their teeth into. And also yeah. I get questions all the time. What is an etiologist? You know, mm. you know, I, oh, stoic, isn't that, doesn't that mean you're emotionless or whatever? I'm like, no, that's, that's a, that's the small S this is the big S it's a philosophy, mm. you know, so it actually has started plenty of conversations with people uh, about these sort of things, you know? Um, uh, yeah. So uh, probably three or four years ago, I, I wrote that out. I think I've modified it a couple of times, but it's been basically that it gives people something to talk about. Right. Uh, and I let them decide what they care about. Which one? Yeah. Um, yeah. But it almost feels like it's that same, that same list as that can connect to anyone like Velcro, just like in high school, you, you had all these interests and all and you were, you know, able to connect with people there too. That's interesting. Yeah. 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 And it, so that's, that's, I do and probably wrongly, but I do describe myself as somewhat of a Renaissance kind of person, right? I have lots of different interests. I do lots yeah. of different things. Um, and I enjoy them. I'm not great at any single one of them. I'm better at some than other, you know, sure, I haven't sure. really focused my time and energy. Yeah. Um, and I think that's also helped me with being an entrepreneur and being a coach. Cause I've had so many different experiences that I can then draw upon when I'm working with people in, in different situations. Um, it seems to be helping me. So, yeah. I mean, it's like, that's the currency, right? Is the experience that, I mean, wisdom, if you're going to ask for anything, ask yeah. for the wisdom exactly. to know which one to do, which path to take and how to feel about it. Um, makes total sense. Yeah. I have a bit of a hypothetical question for you. Sure. Fire away. I may or may not have a time machine up here in Nashua, New Hampshire. And uh, let's say, you know, you have a free afternoon, come up, get some beers and we go uh, pull the tarp off the old time machine. We uh, give it a spin. Right. And, and it's a particular kind, though. It takes you back in time to a few days after that, that degree, that business degree at UMass Lowell. And you get to meet yourself. Uh, you get to meet that bill, bright eyed, bushy tailed right out of school. Um, yeah. and you can tell yourself anything you like. Yeah. It won't mess up the space time continuum. It's been pre-approved. <laughs> Uh, what would you tell yourself? What kind of things would you say? Yeah, um, uh, I would say a few things. One is um, to be more compassionate, to understand truly and, 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 and um, embody the fact that everyone is really doing the best they can. Uh, so, you know, give them the benefit of the doubt more often. I was, much, I was a much harder person. I was much less forgiving when I was younger. Um, I grew up in a very black and white-ish household, which also infected me. And I realized that that's not true. So that's one thing. The other thing is um, this word certitude. And I think they're connected, certitude. I would say, you know what? Uh, wipe that from your vocabulary. Um, uh, being certain about things and arguing them um, is not the best way to be because there are so many different ways and so many different perspectives uh, to that. So I would say excuse certitude, be curious, be open. Um, and that will serve you much better. And, and I think even people will like you even better, right? Because you know, you're not being such a hard line on things and it's not about winning the argument. It's really sort of understanding and, and learning rather than, um, being right. Yeah. Like, being right was such a big thing when I was young. My mother loved to be right. She actually had a little sign in our kitchen and it said i thought i was wrong once but i was mistaken <laughs> and that's the way she lived and, and that's what i learned and 
and it didn't feel right, but I didn't have any other place to go. And, and, and I, I've learned over the years that, yeah, that's, we're almost always wrong and, and at least a little bit wrong. Yeah. I just think of the, the dark holes you can go down on Facebook. I just the other day, I was in a, in a skiing Facebook group and, you know, Vail just gave a big raise to all their staff and people were still basically crapping on it. And I was just like, oh, I could debate them, but debating a random person on Facebook, they're, they're, yeah. and you know, just like, okay. And I went and I went about my day, but just the idea of needing to be right to win some debate, you don't win anything. You just lose time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's why I think curiosity is really big, right? Yeah. Is, so you could say, well, it sounds like you're really upset about this. So tell me what, what tell me what's yeah. driving that. Right. You know, I'd love to, you know, maybe I can learn something from you. And it's a much better way to address something like that. I think is, is, um, you know, be open to that. You don't know exactly why you don't know their story. There's this wonderful, right. there's this wonderful word, which is a portmanteau. It's like it's German and French. And it's combining um, this, this, this sonder. Um, and it means that it's when you have that realization that that stranger walking by you on the street has as rich and full a life as you do. What's it called? Sonder, S-O-N-D-E-R. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember which, I think son is from the French and der is from, from the German word, or, or I don't know which is true, but um, it's sort of this thing together. And, and that helps a lot, right? Because you, you, you start to see them as they're just like you. They've, they've, you know, their life has been different and, and they've formed yeah. in a different way. But be curious, how did you come that way? You know, it's, yeah. it's really interesting. You know, even if someone completely disagrees with you, my first question is, wow, we, we, we see things exactly the opposite. Tell me how you got there. Right. How did you, how did you come to that thinking? Did, was, this an, was this an epiphany you had? Was this something you adopted from you know, your childhood? You know, was your father like this? Whatever, you know, t- and be curious about where it came from. Right. Now, I've done that often, and it's, it's actually interesting. Often it, it, it turns on them because most people don't realize that they've adopted beliefs and they, they're not their own. No idea, right? Right. Yeah, I've done that. I don't know how I got this. It's like, well, because my dad was that way. And I just decided, you know, I just started to be that way. And you don't have to be that way. Right. You know? And sometimes you're, you're, if you, if you do that, you're breaking generations of beliefs yeah. that really don't work for you. Yeah. And then you're, and you're making it better for the future generations. Right. It's, it's amazing that sort of, you can, you can tap into history. And uh, if you have this curiosity mindset and you're, and you're open to, I challenge my beliefs all the time. You know, why do I believe that? Is that something that, that, I, that really works for me? And if it does, yeah. then I keep it. If I'm like, you know what? I feel uncomfortable when I, when that happens, or I feel that way. Do I want to feel uncomfortable? How would I feel comfortable? You know, and, right. and I try to find another way around it. Um, and, and, and then that's like the future version and you keep working on that. So those are the things I would tell myself, um, you know, compassion, curiosity, and, and certitude, I guess the three C's, I didn't even realize there were three C's. Compassion, curiosity. Yeah, those are the two things I would have more of, and, and less. kill the kill the certitude. Kill yeah. the certitude. Yeah, they're all C's. Yeah, and your next book. There it is. My next book, the three C's of life. <laughs> two you keep, and one you get rid of. <laughs> Bill, this has been awesome being able to sit down with you and 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 learn from you for just a, f- a few minutes, really. Uh, though the time has just really flown. Could yeah. you share with everyone um, how do they connect with you, person, uh, personally, professionally? You know what. What sites, uh, what social media sites, what URLs, where do they go? Yeah, so there are two things uh, for, for, for that. One is, so if you want anything from me, 
about me, my book, anything I'm writing, um, my, my services, et cetera, that's on my website. That's catalystgrowthadvisors.com. Um, and in terms of social media, I'm not a big social media guy, but I, but the one I'm on the most is LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn at least once a day for a few minutes, sometimes longer. I post something almost every day. Um, uh, and that's probably the best place to find me. I'm not really, I have, you know, I've been around a long time. I have a Facebook account from 2000, whatever. And, you know, I have a Twitter account from, from 2009. Yeah. I'm not really on those. I don't spend a lot of time on those places. Uh, I'd rather read a book or even just sit down and watch television than, than doom scroll for hours. It, doom scrolling is very accurate too. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. Um, amazing. Amazing. So that's the places to connect. And then your book again is what? Uh, the, my, the name of my book is Further, Faster, The Vital Few Steps That Take the Guesswork Out of Growth. You can get it from my website. You can download it for free. Oh. Or you can buy it on Amazon or Audible if you'd like to get me four or five dollars. Oh wow! Get it for free. That's very generous of you. Yeah, I'm, it's about. I'm, the I'm trying to send everyone to Amazon so they can buy your book, but you're like, no, come, come get it for free. Yeah, it's I'd free. rather it's I'd rather good. have them read the book and 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 not have it be a barrier. If, you know, it's it's yeah. harder to read a PDF. You know, if you want to if you want it read to you, then you have to go get it from Audible, right? Which is like and eleven twelve bucks, but right. Uh, yeah, now, and, and you, sorry, I'm sorry. Do you, you do coaching as well? Yeah, that's my main gig. So I don't, I'm not really an author. I'm an accidental author. Yeah. Uh, most of my income is from, and, and love of what I do and time I spend is, is coaching, which is really more teaching than coaching. 100%. I teach a framework, you know, you've mentioned EOS. I use some stuff from EOS. I use some stuff from scaling up. I use some stuff from, from other things. Um, and I sort of, it's not really mine. It's mostly, most stuff in our world is from Deming and, and, and Drucker and Bennis. I'm and, sure. Yeah. You know, and it's been around for decades, if not longer. Um, and we just sort of put our spin on it. So that's my spin. I've sort of put these things together and, and this is my version of that. That's cool. Uh, my that's coaching. very cool. Uh, who's your ideal coaching client or who's the yeah, right so person? My ideal is, is really someone in EO or YPO. Okay. I, I describe it as a humble, hungry learner that likes to lead its group out of the status quo. Gotcha. That's the best person for me. Generally, they're the ones running the company or the organization. I, I, the CEO, if you will, or the, or the head of company hires and fires me. Yeah. But I work with all the team leaders at the highest level. Okay. Uh, so that's, my, that's my main thing. Perfect. Well, this is outstanding. Thank you so much for coming on here. So yeah. generous with your time. And obviously, your book for free. We'll link to that. Hope everyone goes out there and gets it. I appreciate your time today. Yeah, it was great. And I'm really glad that Lisa um, introduced us. Uh, yeah. So. Likewise, shout out to Lisa. Thank you for that introduction. And for those of you listening to this, if you learned something, and I freaking know you do, and I know you did because I literally have two pages of notes over here. I have <laughs> I have run out of paper. I'm in the margins. I'm in two columns no, now. Cool. So share this with someone. If you learn like I did just now, share this podcast with someone else. That's thought leadership, getting some great information into someone else's hands. Definitely hit up Bill for some coaching, especially if you're humble and hungry and you want to crush that status quo smash it with a hammer um bill thank you again thanks casey all right everyone it's been another amazing exciting episode of leadership in action we will see you all next time leadership in action is sponsored by the boston chapter of the entrepreneurs organization as the world's only peer-to-peer network exclusively for entrepreneurs eo helps transform the lives of those who transform the world